you are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. I am Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist, and I've done research over 10 years, and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication-taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found, as well as all the information that's out there that, that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. If you have a positive COVID-19 test, you might be wondering how to get the monoclonal antibody treatment. Well, you come to the right place. I'm going to tell you how to do that right now. So let's get started. If you have symptoms of COVID-19, the first step is to get tested as soon as possible. So what are the symptoms of COVID now? I mean, now with this new Delta, the symptoms may be, it may be surprising what the symptoms are now. Dr. Tim Spector, he's going to tell us what the new symptoms of COVID are. And also I will link that information in the show notes. Uh, Nearly... 50% of people currently having a positive PCR test do not have the classical symptoms whilst they're infectious. And I think this is really important. So every uh, day they deliberate, more people are getting infected and unknown. Now, what we're seeing now is the same symptoms that we were seeing in children uh, for the last year or so in uh, fully vaccinated adults. And that's probably because the the immune reaction is better. And uh, the latest uh, list of of symptoms uh, we can see here, which uh, we've put in the full 20 this time, so you get a better feel of what's going on. And of course, it's still headache, runny nose, sneezing, sore throat. Then uh, after that, you've got the the classic symptoms uh, that the government is uh, telling people are the only symptoms. That's the uh, cough, loss of smell and fever. Now, what's interesting, we we compared this back to our data uh, in December and roughly that list is the same, but some of them are going up and down, being more common uh, or less common. So certainly we're seeing much more runny nose and sneezing than we did uh last December, and some of those non-respiratory uh, symptoms like those really unusual and severe muscle pains that many people reported uh, have got much uh, less common than they were. They're no longer sort of part of that classical uh, picture that we were seeing. So we're keeping an eye on this and we'll see how these develop. And of course, these symptoms do vary a bit by age and um, at what stage you had it and how much you've had it in terms of the vaccine. But it's important to keep an idea that um, the list is much broader than people think. 
experts are recommending a COVID test about four days after an exposure if you do not have symptoms. Now, you can find testing locations at the link in the description below, or you can go to any local pharmacy and the testing is usually free. And ask your doctor, are you eligible to get the monoclonal antibodies? So here are the conditions that should qualify you to get the monoclonal antibodies. According to experts, generally, most people are eligible to get the monoclonal antibodies as long as they're 12 years old and older and have certain conditions. Now, if you have a body mass index greater than 35, chronic kidney disease, diabetes, immunosuppressive disease, like you've had a kidney transplant or some type of autoimmune disease, if you're currently receiving immunosuppressive treatment, if you're 65 years or older, 55 years or older, and have one or more of the following, cardiovascular disease or high blood pressure, or if you have chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or any other chronic respiratory disease. If you're 12 years old to 17 years old of age and have one of, or more of the following, you'll be, you would be eligible as well. If you have a BMI, that's body mass index, greater than 85 percentile of your age and gender. If you have sickle cell disease, congenital or acquired heart disease, neurodevelopment disorders like cerebral palsy, a medical-related technological dependence like you have a tracheostomy, gastrostomy, or some other respiratory disease, asthma, reactive airway disease, chronic respiratory disease, and you require daily medication to control your asthma. Now, all of what I've just described are people who are at high risk. So those people would be eligible, including people who are black, Latino, people who have diabetes are all considered high risk. So monoclonal antibodies are a great tool that we have now for COVID-19 treatment. So I would encourage you to ask your doctor about that. And if you don't have a doctor, contact the monoclonal antibodies call center or chat with them at the link in the description below. Here's what Dr. David Thrasher has to say about monoclonal antibodies. He is a medical doctor here in Alabama. I tell people, uh, if you are positive, call your primary care doctor, your, your provider, uh, whoever it is, and say, do I qualify for, uh, for the monoclonal? They may say, well, I don't know anything about it, or you don't qualify. They say you don't qualify, ask for why. Okay, because I say if you're over 12 years old and you can walk and talk and live in Alabama, you probably qualify. The qualifications are very, uh, eligibility requirements are very uh, uh, broad. Uh, if your doctor doesn't know, I'm going to say call your local hospitals and hopefully they'll have somebody they can refer, you can be referred to.
Once you get to the hospital, I don't have a lot of bullets in my gun. If I can keep you, if I can get you early and keep you out of the hospital, that's our best bet. Once you're in the hospital, I've got steroids. Well, I got steroids as an outpatient. I've got oxygen in, in, uh, in the hospital. I've got oxygen outside of the hospital, not as much like a ventilator, but I got a few other things. Uh, we won't talk about Actemra and, and uh, Lumion and some other ones, but they aren't great, okay? And once you're that sick and your oxygen level starts falling, I'm behind the eight ball, okay? So I really want to get you before you get in the hospital. So most people will qualify, and uh, and you really want to encourage them to be proactive. Now, uh, basically, if you've been infused, I wait 30 days. Uh, if you did not get the infusion, uh, probably about 10 days after you are, are, are AFib, you can go ahead and get the vaccine. You don't have to wait 90 days for that. Uh, well, you put an IV in, you hang the, the, the bottle up, and 20 minutes goes in, it takes it out, and watch it, and that's it. It's not a big deal. It's a 20-minute uh, um, infusion. We watch it for an hour, and it's incredibly well uh, tolerated. And we also uh, uh, just got approved for the subcutaneous. That's where you make a small injection uh, in your uh, leg or your arm, and we go roll those out to uh, the uh, rural uh, doctor's offices that uh, – uh, they, they want to give it. Uh, if you've been exposed, now don't go run out the next day and get a test because it may be false negative. You know, what I say, uh, what I'll do, I will uh, kind of uh, quarantine myself for four days. I can get tested in four days, uh, but don't get tested before four. We used to say five, but this is so contagious, usually four days. Now, if you start having symptoms, you get tested then. But if asymptomatic, wait four days, or you may be uh, fat and happy and, and, and think you don't have it, and you do. Uh, I, I got vaccinated. Before, you know, it takes about six weeks to get fully protected when you're vaccinated. We have a lot of breakthrough infections in that six weeks. Yes, I'll go immediately infuse them and then wait 30 days for their second uh, shot. Now, the rules have changed with the monoclonal antibodies so far as it has to do with can they be given, how close they can be given to uh, when you're vaccinated and uh, before you couldn't, uh, pregnant women couldn't get them. This is Dr. Anderson from the University of Colorado, and he was interviewed by the American Medical Association. Here's what he said in his interview. Dr. Michael Anderson, Senior Advisor at the HHS Office of the Assistant Secretary for Preparedness and Response in Washington, D.C. Um, up until November of 2020, um, physicians were faced with a terrible dilemma. A patient had turned positive for novel SARS-CoV-2, but wasn't sick enough to be hospitalized. And all we had was really hope and prayer. Now we have three, repeat, three EUA-approved monoclonal antibodies that have shown to be effective in this particular group of patients. They're symptomatic. They've turned positive for novel SARS-CoV-2, but thank goodness they are not sick enough to be admitted. And the EUA criteria for exactly who those patients are has changed. We'll talk about that in just a minute. The science is pretty straightforward. These are exogenous antibodies um, aimed at novel SARS-CoV-2. They bind the spike protein, and they basically are an interim step until the patient can recover generate their own antibodies. And of course, vaccine has really been life-saving. So they bind to the spike protein that then destroys uh, the virus and provides, I think of it sort of as a bridge, a bridge until the patient's own immune system can kick in, hopefully via vaccine. And then the patient is then recovered. Earlier is better. That The EUA says within 10 days of symptoms, but we've seen in studies coming in over the past several months the earlier, the better. Now, the EUA criteria has changed. This is sort of 
breaking news with monoclonal antibodies. And as we sit here in June of 2021, a lot of things have changed as well. But there are certain high-risk patients that really need to get these therapies as soon as possible. They added pregnant women to the high-risk category. So pregnant women now qualify for these therapies. The FDA says, you as a clinician, you as the physician taking care of this patient, think that the benefits outweigh the risks. That to me says two things. Number one, it really gives you know, clinical judgment back to the clinicians. And number two, it says these are really becoming part of the fabric of everyday medicine. And you doctors, you tell us if you think this patient can benefit from these therapies. We've administered over 500,000 doses uh, of these monoclonals. So somehow we're getting across the barriers. The data is overwhelming that in this high-risk group of patients that is not sick enough to be admitted yet, there is a 70%, repeat, 70% decrease in the need for hospitalization in those patients. For that one patient in front of the doctor, boy, that's terrific, right? That means that patient's risk of dying, that patient's risk of, of mortality or being admitted is decreased by a, an incredible percentage. The other thing that really um, speaks to me as a, as a former hospital administrator, um, it's ICU and hospital capacity. That means that less patients are, are flooding the emergency departments, less patients are taking up valuable resources, and then finally, if you think about it, um, and the, the data is still early, and this is more conjecture, there's decreased spread. If we can stop this viral load in a particular patient, then hopefully we have less spread within families. So the benefits are, are really incredible. This, the, the variants are of concern. Um, the government is monitoring it closely. And if, if a particular region or state hits a percentage of a variant that is not sensitive to this drug, then we're not going to be shipping that medication. So bottom line up front is, yeah, the variants are of concern. Um, the two products that are uh, procured by the United States government, Lilly and Regeneron, and now there's a third monoclonal antibody by AstraZeneca, we're testing those on a real-time basis. And I think patients, I know patients have a lot of questions. This is new. I don't completely understand what a monoclonal is. Is this safe? And the tragic stories I've seen or we've heard of are patients don't feel that bad. Like it's day two of symptoms and they have a little cough, maybe a fever. I don't know if I need this experimental therapy. Uh, I'm feeling pretty well. The physicians have to take the rallying cry of, but we know the sooner you get these therapies, that's going to prevent you from getting worse and going down to what can be a terrible, terrible path of this disease. So there you have it. If you test positive for COVID-19, ask your doctor about the monoclonal antibodies. If you don't have a doctor, just call the center directly. <laughs> That's all I have for you today. Stay tuned to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where I'll tell you more about everything you ought to know about hypertension and trending health topics. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the next one.